This is Redemption Radio with Pastor Cody King of Redemption Calvary in Commerce City, Colorado. Here's a preview from Pastor Cody of today's message. Does your type of involvement make your church a war zone? Or does your lack of involvement make your church lame? I think it's a big question to answer. What you do and what you don't do affects more than just you. Your gift isn't for you. Your gift is for other people. If you're using it improperly, then you're creating a war zone where you should be serving. And if you're not using it all, then you're, you're making things harder where they shouldn't be harder for other people. Have you ever found yourself misusing your gifts and talents? What does that mean exactly? In today's message, Pastor Cody gives an example of this in a church setting where someone misusing their gifts in the church can cause a lot of undue stress and confusion. And someone outright refusing to use their gifts can cause unnecessary complications and delays. And that doesn't mean that a person isn't contributing to their church. It just means that they aren't using the gifts God gave them. Now, turn in your Bible to the book of Romans chapter 12 and join Pastor Cody for today's edition of Redemption Radio. You see, the same way that there are different parts of the body that perform different functions, all of them are valuable for different reasons, so too are the gifts. I mean, you just think about the idea of the different parts of a body and the fact that they're all valuable for different functions. It's it's like what uh, 1 Corinthians talks about with the ideas uh, of the parts of a body. And I can't say to the ear, you're not part of the body because you're not the eye. I mean, imagine a whole body that was an eye. It would be like that movie Monsters Incorporated, right? Mike Wazowski, he's a whole bit, he's just a big eye, right? There's a reason why it's a cartoon and a monster because that's not real and that's crazy. And that just would be insane. You have to have more parts. And just because one part serves a specific function, that doesn't make it more or less valuable. It just makes it different. And so we tend to look at people with certain kinds of gifts and we tend to put them up and say, wow, that's a great gift. That's an amazing gift. And oh my goodness, I I wish I had that kind of a gift while devaluing maybe the gift that God has given us. And what that does is it makes the body lopsided and weird. It makes things not function the way that it should function. You see, they're valuable, but they're just valuable for different reasons. What it tells us there in verse 6 is we have different gifts according to the grace that God has given us. Then he says this phrase, let us use them. The point of the gift is for you to use it. If you have unused gifts, then they're useless, right? They just sit there. How many garages and storage units and basements are filled with unused gifts? They just take up space. And then when you move from this house to that house, you put it in a box and you take it to that house too. And you just unuse it over there. It's it's unused things that we have. You see, it's not just that you, you use it, but the how matters too. Sometimes the how is is more valuable than the use of it. You see, sometimes a misused gift is more damaging than an unused gift. That sometimes it can be actually a, a, a very dangerous thing to use it improperly. Warren Wiersbe says in his commentary, be right, 
Spiritual gifts are tools to build with, not toys to play with or weapons to fight with. That your spiritual gift is a tool that God has given to you and your purpose for that spiritual gift is to build somebody else's life in Christ. That they grow and develop as believers into maturity because of the way you use your gift. That's the point. Other people are supposed to grow and develop because of the way that you use your gift in Christ. You see, those who have no interest in serving and functioning as a ben- in a beneficial way to their local church are actually in rebellion against God's design. They're rebelling against God's design. I mean, imagine if you had parts of your body that were at war with other parts of your body. You know, if my hand declares war on my face, I'm going to have a real big problem, right? That's going to be an issue that, that we're going to be dealing with. Or if my leg decides it's going to be in rebellion to my head's commands to say, let's walk, we're going to have some problems. We're going to have some issues. If my leg wants to go a different direction or not move at all, my body will become lame. So let me ask you this. Does your type of involvement make your church a war zone? Or does your lack of involvement make your church lame? I think it's a big question to answer. What you do and what you don't do affects more than just you. Your gift isn't for you. Your gift is for other people. If you're using it improperly, then you're creating a war zone where you should be serving. And if you're not using it all, then you're, you're making things harder where they shouldn't be harder for other people. In verses 7 and 8, we have seven gifts that are listed with the accompanying imperative to do something with it. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list of spiritual gifts. Uh, there's, there's about 24 is where we land as a church, about 24 different gifts that we find in the New Testament. And, and uh, so we're not going to try to do an exhaustive study on the spiritual gifts. We're just going to take the ones that Paul gives us here in uh, this section and take a look at those. But here, here's something to just kind of give you as far as a uh, structure for the idea of spiritual gifts. All spiritual gifts are basically divided into two primary categories. Uh, 1 Peter 4.11 tells us about that. We'll, we'll look at that. It says this, do you, uh, do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever. And ever. Do you see those two kind of uh, categories of gifts there? There are speaking gifts and there are doing gifts. This is the basic categories or uh, different sections that your gifts are going to find themselves in. There are speaking kinds of gifts. And in our list here in Romans, those would be prophecy, teaching, and exhortation. Those are all speaking kinds of gifts. And there are doing kinds of gifts, which has more to do with some sort of physical kind of a thing uh, that, that you're doing. And those in our list here in Romans would be ministering, giving, leading, and mercy. Now, you're going to naturally identify with one division of these or the other. You're going to naturally identify with, you know, that, that idea of, of speaking, 
and saying, I, you know, I really enjoy the opportunity to serve other people by talking to them. Uh, not that I just like to talk and use up all the oxygen in the room, but that I like to, I like to invest in others. I like to, to encourage them when I have the opportunity or that if people have questions about the Bible, I just immediately think of verses to go to and start explaining and, and giving understanding to the scriptures. And, and there's just something about you that leans toward that. Or maybe you feel this natural drive to say, you know what? I just really like to do. When, when there's something that needs to be done, I love to put my shoulder to the work and just kind of help get it all done. Or if, if somebody needs something to take place, then I, I just want to jump in and help that uh, come together and make it happen. You see, you're going to have uh, a way that you naturally identify with one type of these or maybe some of these gifts more than others. But think of it like this, being gifted in one area doesn't exclude you from serving in other areas. I'll say it this way. My primary, you're going to be really, really surprised by this. My primary gift is preaching and teaching. <laughs> Bet you didn't know that. <laughs> it's, just the, it's just the way God's made me. And it's just been that way for a really long time. I've just really enjoyed opening God's word, saying stuff to other people, and for some reason, God supernaturally uses that to bring understanding. It just, it just, the way that he's made me, it's the way he's wired me. But I don't say that, well, my gift is preaching. All of you people can set up chairs. I roll, I roll AV cables. I set up chairs. I, when we did set up tents, I set up some tents. I, you know, the, the, the fact that I do this speaking gift thing, and that's my primary gifting, doesn't mean I don't serve the Lord in other ways. Now, that may be easy for you guys to see for me, right? It's not, I can't have the attitude that says, I don't do windows. You know, I, I serve the Lord in those other ways as well. But let me, let me challenge you with this, because some of you are very much doing kinds of gifted people, and I want to encourage you with this, that does not exclude you from actually preaching the gospel with words. You actually need to tell people about Jesus with your mouth. Not just being nice and serving and giving and doing and, and all that. Yes, that's important. And that might be the primary way that you are gifted and what you're made for. But you actually need to talk about Jesus too. So our list here, and I just want to briefly touch on these. We have this first gift in Romans chapter 12 is the gift of prophecy. Now, the gift of prophecy here is to be able to speak to the moment what God's heart and mind are. That's the idea of the gift of prophecy. Now, some people in some traditions, mostly in Calvinistic traditions, they would say that the, that the word prophecy is synonymous with preaching and teaching. And I totally disagree with that. And the reason why I totally disagree with that is because there's actually a word for preach and teach and Paul didn't use either of those words. He used a totally different word, prophecy. So this isn't that. Even though preaching and teaching and prophecy can be used together. There are times when, you know, I'm, I may say things in the middle of preaching and teaching that are not in my notes. I didn't prepare them. I just sensed the Lord leading me that direction. And you probably don't have a clue that it's even happening because you guys don't know what my notes are. And so you don't know when I'm going off script. You don't know when I'm just talking about things that I didn't think of before. And I just say them and they just land and they, they really minister to some people. And there's some times when somebody will come up afterward 
They'll talk and they'll say, man, when you said this, it really, that was exactly what I needed. Those are moments of the gift of prophecy being used. So yes, it does work with preaching and teaching, but it's not the same thing as preaching and teaching. It's the ability to speak to the moment what God's heart and mind are. It's not just preaching uh, and it's also not like a psychic reading. It's not where you go and get your palm read or something and they're like, oh, you're going to have random things happen and whatnot. It's not like that either. It's not some sort of weird experience. Uh, it's where God brings to bear his heart and mind on, on the moment. And the next one that we read here in verse 7 is ministry. So prophecy is at the end of verse 6. And then uh, verse 7, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. Now, ministry is very practical serving. That's what this is. It's very doing oriented. Uh, this could be like maybe someone who serves in a nursery or, or as a, a greeter or, you know, maybe even cooking a meal. And, you know, it's one of the things that we try to do here at the church that when, when we have opportunity to, we try to cook a meal and bring it to a family. You never know what kind of thing that's going to do for somebody that's going through a difficult season that just showing up with some food. Uh, I know that one of my wife's great spiritual gifts is being able to cook. She goes into the kitchen and miracles come out. I go into the same kitchen and I'm like, there's no food. Um, so I don't really know how it happens, but it's just glorious what, what's able to come out of, of there. And I really believe it's a, a great thing. And just to be able to be, to get a hug on the inside sometimes, uh, you know, through food is a tremendous thing. Or maybe mechanical, you're able to just build things and you're you're able to look at stuff and say, we could, we could do this differently by putting some physical effort and work into it from this direction or this, this idea. You know, you may look at those things and say, well, it's not really such a supernatural spiritual thing to, to serve in the nursery. I mean, what am I doing? I'm holding a baby and changing a diaper. Uh, but that actually is extremely, extremely helpful and extremely spiritual work to do those kinds of things, to be able to you, you know, to be able to give a parent the kind of peace of mind that when they're handing their precious child to you, that that child is cared for very well and going to be taken care of. And then they can, without distraction, just, just enter into a place of hearing God's word and singing to the Lord. It's, it's a tremendous kind of a thing. And so there are these practical kinds of things. You see, practical service is extremely spiritual service. It's not discounted from being practical. And the third one we find there in verse 7 is teaching. He who teaches in teaching. Now, teaching is the idea of instruction that makes God's word clearly understood. That's the concept, that God's word is clearly under, understood. Now, the requirements for this, the requirements for teaching is diligent learning. You've got to actually be a learner. The best teachers are great learners. You have to have uh, the ability to organize the information and then clearly present it. You ever had somebody try to teach something and you're, you're more confused than when you started? That's because they didn't know how to do this. They didn't know how to take the information, organize it, and then give it to you in a way you could take it. Uh, and so there is, there is skill and giftedness uh, required for that. The next one is exhortation. Uh, verse 8, he who exhorts in exhortation. This is calling people to act upon what God's word says. Hey, here's the best way I could say this. Sometimes we just need a kick in the pants to get going right? And someone with the gift of exhortation is like, come on, let's go. And then everyone's like, yeah, let's go. And then that's, that's the gift of exhortation that's being played out there. Sometimes people want the gift of exhortation and they try to rally the troops and nobody moves. 
There's no gift of exhortation. Nobody's willing to do what that is. So it's this gift to be able to say that a Holy Spirit directed kick in the pants to actually get moving. Now, the next one we find in our list here is the gift of, of giving. Um, and some of you are like, well, pastor, I don't have that gift. So I guess I'm precluded from that one. This, this is not that. This goes beyond the idea of Christian duty. Notice it says there uh, in verse eight, he who gives with liberality. This is the idea of funneling resources into kingdom work. That some people just have this supernatural gift beyond just regular Christian giving, you know, where we just give to the Lord because, you know, in the Old Testament, it's this idea of a tithe. In the New Testament, it's the idea of giving. That there's this general Christian giving that is the responsibility of all believers. But there are some people who have this supernatural ability to give in either a grand, more grand way or this desire to do it in uh, very specific kinds of ways. Now, this gift of giving funnels uh, resources to kingdom work. And essentially, uh, what this looks like is that some people have this ability to make crazy amounts of money. I don't know where it comes from. Uh, maybe you've met these kind of people. It's like they put the same effort in as everybody else and they make 10 times more money. Well, let me just, let me just submit this to you. Maybe God gave you that ability and not all of it's for you. How about that? Maybe some of it's for somebody else. And if and those who function in this spiritual gift of giving are able to find this joy in generosity uh, in amazing kinds of ways, they, they are able to give away what God gives to them. And so as they give, God actually funnels more to them so they can give more away. Now, the gift of giving doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have lots and lots of money or anything like that, but that's one of the ways that it can function. Next in our list, and number six, is leading, the gift of, of leadership. He says, he who leads with diligence. The idea here of leading is that it's somebody who can plan, organize, and move people to further kingdom work, that they're able to sort of put a plan together. They see where we need to go and what's going to take to get there. And they're able to say, let's, let's put this plan together in order to organize kingdom work. And the, notice the word there that's attached to leading with diligence. Diligence is, the, is this word attached there. It's an in, interesting idea. Here's the concept. If you're going to lead, then you need to expect opposition and discouragement. There's no such thing as leading without opposition and discouragement. Or here's, here's how I could say it. If you want everybody to like you, and, and nobody to disagree with you, don't ever lead anything. <laughs> the, the moment you try to lead something, the moment you try to make a decision, the moment you try to say, let's go this way, now you just made enemies. Now people are just gonna, they're just gonna be against you just to be against you sometimes. Uh, you're not gonna be able to make everybody happy all the time. And, and so it's just gonna make things difficult. And so opposition and discouragement are going to be a part of this idea of leading. So diligence is required. And then finally here in verse 8, the idea of the gift of mercy. And he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now mercy is compassion for the broken or to be able to advocate for the powerless. That there are those who cannot advocate for themselves. They need somebody else to do that. These are those who have the gift of mercy. And there are those who have compassion for the broken. And so 
Here, the, this, the needful thing that's associated with this is the idea of cheerfulness. Now, cheerfulness isn't enduring. It's not just saying, oh, I'm just, I'm going to have mercy on you and I don't really want to. Um, but it's the idea that there's this, this attitude that's associated with it of gladness or that there's this readiness of mind to serve others in this capacity. You see, when your gift is seen as equipment for serving others, then their weakness is your opportunity to build them up. It's not an annoyance for you to tear them down. You look at other, the weaknesses of other people and you look at the strengths that you have and you're not annoyed by their weakness. You look at that and say, I can serve you. I can help you. I can do for you what you can't do for yourself. That, that maybe you're the fingernail and you're like, my gift is so dumb. I, I can't believe I'm a fingernail. And uh, you know, the forehead's like, I'd really like to be scratched. <laughs> oh, I can help. <laughs> right? That, that, this is the idea that, that we're not, we're not seeing ourselves as better than or less than just different. And God uses us all together this way. Here's how Warren Wiersbe says it. He says, when individual believers in a church know their gifts, accept them by faith and use them for God's glory, then God can bless in a wonderful way. And if there's anything about our church, about Redemption Calvary, that, that I pray for, that I hope for, that I, I ask God for, it's, it's I say, God, would you not only bring the people you want here to this church, but would you show us what our gifts are and help us to serve one another in that way? Because when we do this, when we're cognizant or thoughtful about the way God's gifted us and actively pursuing that, using our gifts to serve one another, that's when God supernaturally blesses the church in crazy ways. That's when God does things that we could never ask or imagine. That's when God opens doors of ministry opportunity that we would never have thought of on our own. But God just puts these things together as we submit ourselves to the way that he's made us and actually engage in one another's lives in that way. You see, God's made you for a purpose. And it's not as shallow and empty as your happiness and fulfillment. Yes, you will be happy. Yes, you will be fulfilled. But that's not the end. That's not the greatest thing in life. There's something more. There's something deeper. There's something bigger. And you were made for something more. Something bigger than just you. And when you're able to enter into that by functioning the way that God's made you in his body, something supernatural takes place when you engage that way. You see, your purpose in the will of God is tied to your spiritual gifts from God which are given so you can serve the people of God. If you're not a Christian, then the first step for you is to recognize your need for Jesus. That Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection was for you. And because you believe this, because you place your faith in Jesus, you abandon your sin and you dive deeply into the love of Jesus. He changes you. He regenerates you. He gives you a new identity and he gives you spiritual gifts. That's step one, that, that you need that, that you become a citizen of heaven. And as such, you're gifted that way. But if you are a Christian, which most of us here today are, I would say this. Number one, what are your spiritual gifts? Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? If you don't, you need to know. You need to take some time to prayerfully consider what are my spiritual gifts. 
I have a, a document. It's called a, a spiritual gifts test. I'll be willing to share that with you. It's not like a test that you take and, you know, you're like, oh man, I, I'm A positive. You know, like that's, that's not the kind of gift or, or, you know, test it is. It just kind of gives you a general idea of where to start thinking about this. But you need to know what your gifts are. And secondly, are you using them for the glory of God and the good of others? Or are you not using them? They're unused gifts. Or are they misused gifts? What, what are you doing with the gifts that God has given you? See, at Redemption Calvary, I, wanna, I want our church to be running, sprinting, not lame and hindered because of a lack of involvement or the wrong kind of involvement. I want our church to be able to run for the things of the Lord. And that's going to happen as we use our gifts for the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the chance to open it, to study it together today. We pray that you would reveal to us the way that you have crafted us, the way that you have formed us, and that you would cause us, Lord God, to be able to serve you and to serve one another in the way that you have gifted us for your glory and for their good. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Redemption Radio as we study the book of Romans with Pastor Cody. Within this book, the Apostle Paul writes to the Romans about personal things such as greeting people he knows, but also touches on some deep theological concepts that can throw people at times. Romans is a foundational book when it comes to what you believe as a Christian. What you can't deny as you read through it is that there's a clear message of God's salvation. We as human beings are separated from God because of sin. But because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, He redeems all of that and brings us into relationship with Him. Do you have such a relationship with God? We certainly hope so. If you're uncertain what that means, don't hesitate to get in touch to clear up some of the things you may not understand about salvation. You can reach us by going to redemptioncalvary.org. Under the Connect tab, you'll find what we believe the Bible says about salvation. If you'd like to hear someone's voice over the phone, we can do that too. Here's our number, 720 466-5358. Once again, that's 720-466-5358. One more way to get in touch with us is over email. Our email address is info at redemptioncalvary.org. Thanks for listening, and make sure to subscribe to our podcast of Redemption Radio.